64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello. It. Happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor, SF Walker. I'm here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk, their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today we look at your body is your brain. Leverage your somatic intelligence to find purpose, build resilience, deepen relationships, and lead more powerfully by Amanda Blake. In this video, we look at practical actions that generate reliable results grounded in research from over 25 different scientific disciplines. We peer through multiple lenses at an essential question. What role does the body play in our success and in satisfaction and in life? And might it be more influential than we have ever imagined? Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools I haven't used that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, your social awareness, your self-management and relationship management. We cannot see ultraviolet light, for example, but bees can. That doesn't mean that the light waves are not there when we are looking. It simply means that they're invisible to our eyes. In other words, our biological apparatus filters our perceptions. We do not see the world as it is so much as we see the world as we are. It turns out this is as true of our moods and our relationships as it is of color and light. Our bodies, our brains, and even our behavior take shape quite literally in response to our life experiences. And that behavioral shape ultimately affects the possibilities we see, the options we choose, and the actions we take. This is true for every single one of us, not just the colorblind. Our brains have been finely honed over millions of years of evolution to carefully attend to our social and emotional environment and to quickly Adopt and always remember behaviors that help us optimize access to three essential nutrients, safety, connection, and respect. The earthworm embodies one of nature's earliest attempts at a nervous system, with its small clusters of nerve cells strung like beads down its long, wriggly body. Nature evolved a centralized group of nerve cells that cluster at one end of the spine, the brain stem, 
now popularly known as the lizard brain. The brain stem gives reptiles and anyone else with the brain stem, including us, many more behavioral responses to threat. As mammals came along and began giving live birth, the evolutionary pressure emerged. Offspring needed a way to communicate their needs to the caregivers. For this, nature evolved the subcortical limbic system, often referred to as the emotional brain, a collection of structures that turn the symphony of body language, vocalization, and facial expression into meaningful communication. The most recently evolved layer of the brain, the cerebral cortex, has greater neural density in species that live in social groups. Dolphins, whales, monkeys, elephants, humans. Biologists postulate that this layer of the brain evolved in part to help social species successfully navigate the dizzying complexities of living in a troop, tribe, or a community. The brain evolved to optimize access to safety, the brainstem, connection, the limbic system, and social status, or what we might refer to as dignity or respect. Cerebral cortex. Anything that stores information requires a physical record, whether that's zeros and ones on a microchip, hieroglyphics on a stone, ink on a page, or grooves on vinyl. Your implicit emotional memories have a physical record too. They're stored in the neuromuscular patterns that affect literally every tissue in your body. This occurs in part through a process called armoring. Physical contraction to either strife or to fend off unwanted emotion. The process goes on with our social and emotional development as our bodies take shape in response to our environment. Our biological lens get tuned to a particular way of seeing the world and being in it. Certain kinds of emotional responses, interpretations, and relational defaults get wired into our body. This makes some actions second nature and others much more difficult. We could even say they are invisible to us at times. See, biology is perception. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, as our bodies are tuned to certain emotional and relational ways of being that affects both the options and the possibilities that we see, as well as the actions and behavior that are easily available. Your repeated gestures, your physical structure affects your mood, and your mood affects your actions, and your actions affect both your relationships and your results in virtually every area of your life. Three primary evolutionary pressures drove the development of the brain. The need for physical safety, the need for emotional communication, and the need for social navigation. Your brain is your social and emotional sense organ. The brain takes physical shape as it learns behaviors 
that optimize access to three essential nutrients, safety, connection, and respect. Your brain is distributed through your entire body, as your body also subtly takes shape in response to your life experiences through the unconscious and highly adaptive process of implicit memory and armoring, you put successful behaviors on neuromuscular autopilot. This can create behavioral blind spots that are exceedingly resistant to change. Your body is a lens of perception. Everything you perceive is filtered through the medium of your body. So those blind spots affect the possibilities you see. Your body is an instrument of action. Every single action you take evolve, involves your body. So your behavioral blind spots also affect your actions. The bottom line, your body is a finely tuned social and emotional sense organ shaped by your life experiences. And that shaping affects both the possibilities you see and the actions you do take. Your results in almost every area of your life are subtly but inescapably influenced by the characteristics and the qualities you have come to embody. Whereas conceptual self-awareness takes you anywhere in time, embodied self-awareness takes you to this moment in time, because sensation can only be experienced in the present moment. Embodied self-awareness brings you home to the only moment you ever have, for sure, which is right now. Fundamentally, emotional intelligence is the ability to be aware of your and manage your own moods and to take action on your own behavior. Social intelligence relies on those same skills of awareness and action as applied to others. It is the ability to accurately pick up on others' emotions and to rely on that understanding in order to skillfully take action as in coordinated group. And somatic intelligence, the ability to discern subtle nuances between different bodily states, moods, and thought patterns, and to respond effectively to those nuances is the underpinning of both social and emotional intelligence. Most vagal nerve cells, 80 to 90 percent, send interoceptive signals from the trunk to the head. In other words, your heart is constantly talking to your brain. This anatomy makes the vagus nerve and the organs it's connected to, particularly the heart and the gut, key players in the social and emotional sense, in the organ that is your body. The heart communicates with the brain in other ways too. It is the rhythmic leader of the entire body. Breathing, brainwaves, and even blink rate are all affected by the pace set by your heart. The startle of a near car accident and the heart pounding sends the rhythmic and the electrical signals to the brain sounding the severe threat alarm 
in nanoseconds. Your brain has already coordinated a complete physical response. A small cluster of cells inside the amygdala fires six to eight milliseconds after each heartbeat. In other words, in addition to taking its cues from the surrounding world, oftentimes your brain takes cues about safety and about danger directly from the pace of your heart. So if your heart is beating slowly and expanding with tenderness, your brain gets that message too. Evoking sustained commitment requires a strong synthesis of conceptual and embodied self-awareness. It is vital to know where you're headed and why, to articulate a clear vision of the future and its importance. It is equally vital to connect to your felt sense of care, and then to consistently mobilize that care into action. This movement into action, and it is a physical movement, not an intellectual idea, is precisely what distinguishes true commitment from otherwise flimsy intentions. Lasting change requires clarity, care, a choice, and a commitment. Even when you're clear about your vision and deeply committed to bringing it to life, doing so depends on the personal and interpersonal qualities effective leaders share. This is true in your personal life just as much as your professional life. Once you know where you want to go, you need the courage to take that first step and then to continue stepping out. You need the composure to handle inevitable rough waters without calling it quits, and you need the confidence and the credibility to successfully engage others and enlist support. In other words, you need to build the personal qualities that support purposeful action. Self-mastery is the core skill that supports the inner qualities. Sometimes it's called self-regulation or emotional regulation. This skill is what enables you to face challenges with resilience, equanimity, and with authority. It is the action part of the emotional intelligence, and it is essential to navigate just about any difficult terrain. The basic somatic competency that underlines resilience, emotional regulation, and self-mastery is the capacity to center yourself. Centering is about building your capacity to tolerate strong sensation without having to automatically act to make the discomfort disappear. It is about actively returning yourself to a state of psychophysiological coherence when you are frazzled. It is about adjusting and aligning your posture so that the maximum amount of breath and energy can reach every nook and cranny of your body. So you are well positioned to use all of that energy to your advantage. And as you'll come to see, it is about far, far more than taking a deep breath and counting, counting to ten. 
Stress is fundamentally a physiological event under pressure or perceived threat. The body is flooded with adrenaline, cortisol, and other hormones, and the sympathetic branch of the nervous system kicks in automatically, increasing heart rate and breathing, slowing digestion, and shutting blood to muscles, readying us for fight or flight. All of this is well known, but it's hardly the whole story. Neuroception, a perceptual process that distinguishes between safety and danger by combining extraproceptive perception of the environment with interoceptive perception of one's visceral state. Immobilization is one of the most ancient and reliable responses to being attacked. Oftentimes, not aggravating an aggressor is the smartest way to stay safe. Dr. Amy Cuddy's research and her flagship experiment demonstrated that sitting or standing in a powerful posture for as little as one minute generates measurable changes in physiology, psychology, and behavior. Experimenters asked participators to lean back into the time-honored boss's office pose, feet propped on the desk, hands interlaced behind your heads, or to stand with their hands on the hips in a similar powerful pose. When tested before and after these brief interventions, both men and women showed an increase in testosterone and a decrease in the stress hormone cortisol. Participants' sense of their own efficacy increased. They became more willing to take calculated risks, such as seeing a potential payoff in a simple gambling task. The control group spent one minute in each of the several closed postures, armed crossed, head dropped, limbs pulled in close. These participants showed the opposite results on all measures. See, instead of faking it till you make it, practice it until it's embodied, there's nothing fake about it. Dialing up awareness of your body, your breath, your thoughts, and your emotions, without having to immediately respond, is one of the best ways to restore psycho-physiological coherence to the body. Call this the physiology of resilience. Even if your typical day doesn't require you to find courage to face down life-threatening danger, courage has a place in your life, those moments where your life calls you to something new but scary. A move across country, a career change, a second marriage, a first date. Courage can be evoked at any level of fear. And the process is the same. Your body responds with a neuroceptive assessment of safety and danger. And if there's some visceral detection of potential threat, your stress systems will wisely gear up for a challenge.
If stress is a physiological response, so too is resilience, and so too then is courage. The word courage, which comes from a French word, which means heart. Have heart, courage asks of us. Take action on what really matters. Courage doesn't offer false reassurance that things are going to turn out okay. It simply supports you in making a bold move, despite the risk and potential consequences. When the task and the stakes get higher, you need more powerful tools. How you stand impacts courage. The muscles that control the pelvic tilt, they also affect your capacity to relax and stay calm, cool, and collected. Because these muscles attach to the same vertebrae as the diaphragm, they also affect how you breathe. And the muscles you use to breathe are the same muscles you use to stay upright. With every breath, you suddenly change your balance and your postural stability. Shallow breathing is associated with emotions such as fear and surprise. This habitual breath pattern propagates a persistent message of mild anxiety throughout your entire system. You breathe at least 900 times an hour. That is over 21,000 times a day and more than 150,000 times a week. Only your heart muscle moves more. So you have ample opportunity to develop the muscle memory that takes a particular breath pattern and makes it automatic. And because of the way you breathe is tightly linked to the way you move, how you habitually stand is going to affect your breath. Composure is not about getting rid of the nerves. Nice as that may sound, sometimes it is not possible, rather like courage. Composure is about being able to tolerate all the strong sensations that go along with making a big, important move. It is about consciously feeling all of the intensity and physical discomfort while aligning yourself in such a way that those sensations can move through you without getting stuck in a swirling whirlpool of anxiety. It is about using your breath as best as you can and choosing to take action from your commitment rather than your fear. This is what courage and composure really feels like. It is not always comfortable. In fact, it rarely is. And yet, it is often the one thing that makes all the difference in meeting challenging circumstances. We know that stress is a physiological response to pressure, and if stress is physiological, then your capacity to recover from stress must be too. You cannot always talk yourself out of anxiety, and actually that's fantastic news because just as you can build bigger biceps and stronger abs, you can build the muscle memory that makes composure and resilience easier to access, learn to tolerate intense sensation. Get your hips underneath you and open your belly and chest to more breath. All of this allows you to regulate 
wild emotions and face the slings and arrows of life with a more relaxed and subtle stance, cultivating a psychophysiological coherence that not only improves your mood, but it also improves your performance. With practice, you can make these ways of inhibiting your body second nature so that reaching for courage and composure becomes as easy and as automatic as getting a spoon to your mouth. And therein lies the magic, because when you embody composure, you can content with the whole host of things that previously seemed difficult or impossible or invisible. And that brings success more easily within reach. The courage, composure, and confidence create a stable foundation for credibility, because it's rarely comfortable to reveal the foils that make you most relatable. But doing so in a way that establishes both your confidence and your competence is precisely what is required to build trust. Centered, yet vulnerable truth-telling is also the glue that sustains many a deep friendship and happy marriage. It is the unspoken safety net that allows a reluctant teenager to open up to a parent when most in need for guidance. It is the satisfaction and relief that comes from being real, from not having to hide your uncertainties, your frailties, your failures, and your humanity. And because we all have our own all-too-human stories. Authenticity can be deeply connecting, embodied self-awareness supports the meaningful connections and deeper empathy. Unconscious tension functions largely the same way conscious tension does. The difference is that you're not aware of it, and you cannot relax it at will. And unfortunately, unconscious tension interferes with presence. If presence is predicted on feeling sensation, then presence becomes next to impossible. When chronic tension or prolonged absence of attention makes you numb to sensation. And I guarantee you're holding unconscious tension. We all do. To relax it, you first need to become aware of it. And there's no better way to do this than with the directed connection of touch. Slow down, shut up, and feel. The skill of feeling, so essential to connection. And it is something few of us are actually thought how to do. We all have mirror neurons that help us model the behavior of others. But here's the kicker. These mirror neurons, they don't act in isolation. Nothing does. Situated in the motor cortex. Mirror neurons fire when we hear or see someone else move. They also connect to neurons in our emotions. Specifically the insula in the part of the brain evolved in self-awareness. And they connect to motor neurons throughout the body. In other words, we use our entire body 
to make sense of other people, thanks to mirror neurons. And the way they hook into your entire distributed and disturbed nervous system. When someone picks up a cup, you can instantly sense whether she is about to calmly take a sip or angrily throw it across the room. This non-conceptual modeling process is one of the primary ways you make sense of other people. Mirror neurons tell you about action, emotion, and intention as expressed through another body and read through your own felt sense. Essentially, you get insight into others by automatically and unconsciously answering the question, how would it feel to me if I were to make that move? You perceive others through the very same neural networks that you yourself use to take the same action, employ the same tone of voice, or make the same expression. Own range is limited. Your capacity to get it when others are experiencing something unfamiliar is truncated. It turns out the less you can feel yourself, the less you can suffer with or have compassion for another. Conversely, the more access you have to your own sensations and emotions, the more empathy and compassion you can access. We feel with by feeling ourselves. To begin with, sense more. Pay deliberate attention to your sensation. Familiarize yourself with the subtle nuances. Learn to sense every part of your body from the inside. Be aware of how are you standing, sitting, moving. Connect to your feeling of care. Truly experience caring about who and what you love. What is important for you to care for and protect in a situation. Also center. Cultivate the capacity to experience intense sensations without having to immediately react to them. Instead of letting your discomfort drive you, learn how to return yourself to a state or of psychophysiological coherence so that you can access your full intelligence under pressure. Build presence. Stay connected to those you are in conflict with. Respect their inherent worth and dignity as much as you can. Build trust and rapport when people feel seen and heard. They're naturally more cooperative. Galvanize others. When you've mastered your own internal state and connected with other people to a degree that you are able, then it is time to take action. Embody the skill of making a clear request rather than stammering it out. Build the capacity to say no, if that is something you have difficulties with. The more you sense yourself, the more you immediately, easily, and automatically empathize with others. This connection is simply a neurobiological reality. It is how our psychobiology is designed. The more you connect, to your own felt sense of love, care, and desire to make a positive difference, the more powerfully and effectively you can take action. The more you center yourself and get present in the face of challenge, the better you become at communicating, leading teams, and resolving conflict. These qualities and capabilities are the hallmark of powerful, trusted, and effective leadership. Musicians, athletes, actors, and artists of every stripe 
know this truth. The body only learns through practice. Most artists, including artists of athleticism, spend upwards of 80% of their time in practice or in rehearsal, reading a book or attending an afternoon workshop is not the equivalent of going to the gym and learning how to do sit-ups. You can't walk out of the initial session and say, check it out, now I have abs. If you want six-pack abs, you're going to have to do these sit-ups again and again and again and again, first to build and then to maintain the body you want. Embodied practice creates durable change because it rewires your entire neuromusculature and creates new embodied patterns that affect your day-to-day -day actions. If you take the time to build the muscle memory for key personal and interpersonal qualities, such as the ability to maintain composure, access compassion, resolve conflict, and act from care, those qualities become accessible to you for the rest of your life. And there you have it. Your body is your brain. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it and read. Never stop learning. Especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.